Welcome to another David McCracken Ministries podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. It's been great joy to be back. Let's be seated. And um, it's so, technology is an incredible thing, isn't it? I, I mean, I'm standing here, Pastor Ashley's over there, uh, probably pulling faces at the screen, but that's all right. Uh, and I, I wish I was there, just running outside, having a little bit of a roll in the snow and coming back in. I, I, this morning I've got uh, very much something on my burning my heart to impart into the DNA of the house. But before I do that, I have four specific prophetic thoughts that my father has given me to share with the leadership, but, I'll, but the whole house. Okay. Uh, um, I want to first of all, I'm going to change the order I did in the first service, but the same four points. Um, I was just talking to him about coming and he, the phrase that came to me was, in multiplying, I will multiply. Now I know that's a reference to uh, Genesis 22:17, but I heard it with a very distinct sound. It says, as you multiply, I will multiply your descendants. And so I felt him amplify it this way. As you initiate the multiplication of campuses, as you take the initiative, the identification of location, the, 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 the declaration of intent, the, 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 you, 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 you go cross over some line and say, that's it, that's where we're going, this is the next thrust, this is the next push. As you initiate the multiplication of campuses, God will supply the spiritual sons and daughters to be the leaders and workers within those campuses and multiply the harvesting of souls, which of course is the objective. But friends, I want to say this, that, that our part of preparation is, is training and developing and having a constant supply of sons and daughters, and you do that so well, but it feels like Father is saying, my strategy is that because you've been so faithful and continue to do so in developing sons and daughters and potential leaders, etc., you don't have to identify this one, that one, this one, that one, this one, that one for that place in particular before you announce the location. It's like you hear from heaven a divine revelation, our next campus shall be, and because you have now declared it, it's like that suddenly all the pieces just start coming together and the right people become so incredibly obvious. So that's the first thing that I saw. And then the phrase from Matthew 13:8, which says, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. But then I felt Father just impress upon me and say, but they're all equally valid. Because when Jesus talked about them, he, he, he called them all good ground. 
So he called the hundredfold good ground, but he called the sixtyfold good ground and the thirtyfold. And I felt the Lord just say this, that they're all equally valid, but as you pour out affirmation, as you pour out uh, the, the goodness of God and the love and the support to a thirtyfold person, they actually feed on that affirmation and they become forty then 50, then 60, then 70 fold. But they're all equally valid. And then I saw the third picture. I saw what appeared to be like a place of government and decision. And the phrase that went through my mind was removing one, replacing with two. I don't know what that refers to except that I saw the two in my spirit, my mind's eye. One was very much older and mature and very, very stable. And the other, younger, was filled with, very, uh, with great life and passion. So I leave that with the leadership. I don't know the application. The next thing I saw, and I don't know the application of it either, was I saw these tender young plants that had been planted with incredible hope and anticipation and expectation. And then I just saw later a, a crop duster just flying through the air, a crop duster, and it was dumping chemicals on a nearby place. Uh, but some of it drifted across and touched the leaves of these plants that had been planted. And uh, I saw people immediately rush up and try to brush it off, but that actually only just hurt the leaves further and I said what's the answer to this and he said pray for the wind pray for the wind and so I began to pray for the wind and this this gentle but rhythmic wind came and began to blow amongst the plants and I don't know how but it's like it cleansed them completely and they came back sparkling uh, they were amazing full of vigor and life and green and filled with anticipation and so the wind of course is the work of the Holy Spirit Pe people uh, that people can't be reached Argument can't reach argument. But when he brings revelation of truth, it sets people free. Praise the Lord. Okay, I want to take you now into something that I believe God really wants to sow into the, the fabric and DNA of this house. Uh, I, I, over the last two or three years, I have had this growing awareness that God wants a supernatural people. A supernatural people living a supernatural life representing a supernatural Christ. And we have taught that, we have preached that, we believe that, but it's only but recently that I'm beginning to see more and more uh, what that really means. And uh, so I want to pray now and ask for the Holy Spirit to bring us revelation. Because if you just get a little bit encouraged or stirred up this morning, that'll be great. That'll be great. But, but Father wants far more than that. He wants a revelation to take hold of your heart so that, that you have gained, by the time you walk out of here, you feel like you have totally gained access to the throne room of his presence and you can live there. Father, we ask right now for the Holy Spirit, our wonderful friend, to come and, and bring this word of absolute revelation to our hearts. In Jesus' name and for your honor. Amen. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 27 and verse 50 for our kickoff verse. And we actually were singing about this earlier. Great confirmation. 
And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Now what you have to understand, people, is that the word loud there in, in the Greek, in the original language, is the word mega. And it means loud, but it also means powerful or strong or dominant or forceful. It is the whole meaning of that word is one of great command. And it says that Jesus, with a loud, strong, dominant, powerful voice, shouted out. And, and John's account of this in John 19 tells us what it was that he shouted out. It says, now Jesus, knowing that he had fully accomplished all things necessary, shouted with a loud, strong, dominant voice, it is finished. And it was like he made a declaration to the cosmos. I've conquered Satan. I've established my rule on the planet. I've made atonement for all of mankind. I have done it. It's finished. I've accomplished the task. There was nothing whimpering about it. He wasn't hanging on a cross saying, oh, it's finished. No, it says with a strong, powerful voice, he declared to the cosmos, it's been done. Now, what I want to bring your attention to, what a notable day. Take a look at verses 51 to 54. It starts with the word then, then. That's significant. Then, when? Well, when's then? Well, when Jesus declared it was finished. When Jesus said, I've conquered hell, I've conquered the devil, I've, I've reestablished the rule of God upon the planet, I have finished the task then. Then, take a look. Then, behold, the veil of the temple was torn into from top to bottom. Why top to bottom? Because the very hand of God ripped it apart. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were opened and the bodies of saints who had fallen asleep were raised up and coming out of their graves, some of them after hundreds of years, many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Graves. They went into the holy city, appeared to many. So when the centurion and those that were with him guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that happened, they feared greatly, and they said, truly, this was the Son of God. I mean, put it in context, people. The earth was quaking, rocks were splitting, uh, the universe was being shaken, dead people that had been dead for hundreds of years were getting out and taking a stroll in Jerusalem. The most supernatural event in all of human mankind had just taken place. But what I felt Father tell me very clearly to draw your attention to this morning was the order. You see, the very first thing. What was the first thing? You always can identify the priority of God. Because it's the first thing. What's the first thing? Well, the first thing was that that temple veil was ripped from top to bottom ripped asunder by the very hand of God himself. It was the first thing on God's agenda. 
It was the instant response from heaven. They were whole, all of heaven was just waiting, 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 waiting. And then Jesus looked around them. Okay, I've done that, 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 and that. It's finished. And immediately the hand of God ripped the veil asunder. And what we have to understand is that the miracle of Calvary, the atonement of the cross, the, the conquering of hell and the devil, the establishment of the rule of Jesus on the planet was all for one purpose. It was to remove forever the veil that separated humankind from the presence and glory of God. So, so why was it there in the first place? Well, you see, you have to understand this to understand what I'm about to say. Because God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so why did he put it there in the first place? Oh, that was divine protection. What do you mean? Well, you see, friends, he decided that in Moses' tabernacle and then in, te in the Solomon temple, where, where Solomon's temple, where Jesus had it ripped apart, he, he said, mankind, humankind, in their sinful, broken state, they, they, they'd never survive an encounter with me. Uh, and because in my holiness and my power and my dominion, uh, uh, sin would sin is just instantly vaporized. It's incinerated, and so sinful man doesn't have a hope of coming into the, the, my presence. It's not because he's ugly or bad or or harsh. Uh, um, it's the same principle as as somebody that goes into a nuclear reactor. They have to wear protective clothing. Why? Because humankind is not supposed to exist in the midst of that kind of power. And so he said, we're going to have to put a veil there because once a year I really do want to come from the world of my reality into the world of their reality. I want to manifest physically on the earth at least once a year. And so, we, uh, but, but we're going to have to put it in a place. Then we're going to have to put a veil there. And the only exception was the high priest. One day a year, he was allowed beyond that veil. Oh, what a scary moment. He, he'd already seen when, when that same God turned up on Mount Sinai, the whole mountain burst into fire. Uh, I mean, the earth quaked. Uh, with a point of his finger, he could separate the Red Sea. He could put galaxies in place. And he was coming down on the other side of that veil. It would be like an astronaut saying, uh, being told, you can be the first person to Mars. But if there's the slightest little mistake, <laughs> he'll never come back. You know, it would, be, it would be like the scariest moment of his life, but utterly irresistible. Who, who could pass that by? And so the high priest, they tie a rope around his ankle. Can you imagine how he felt? The reason why the rope was tied around his ankle was just in case he had any sin left, in case he had the slightest bad attitude left. And then all they did was haul out what was left of him. You see, sin could not possibly survive in the presence that was that holy, that powerful, that consuming. And it was like that for thousands and thousands of years. Even God's people, Israel, could just look on and say, only one person ever gets that opportunity. And then only once a year. And then Jesus, then Jesus, king of the planet, declared from the cross, all of that, it's finished. 
It's finished. It's finished. It's no longer one man once a year. It's got open access. Any man, any woman, any child can come into the presence of the Almighty and be there not consumed by his presence, but be empowered by his presence. It was an incredible, incredible moment. Can you say amen? I want to give you an invitation today. I want to give you an invitation today into the realm of his presence and the throne room of God. Now you say, well, we know that already and we preach about it, etc., etc., etc. But I want to tell you something. I'm experiencing something entirely new and entirely different right now. And I'm telling you, it's exciting. It's beyond exciting. It's amazing. I just don't lift off from this, this stage right now the way I'm feeling. I'm telling you now that we have said, you know, all that we will go to, go, you notice this thing, go to heaven or, or, or the, the throne room of God, uh, um, and we use these terms. Friends, listen to me. He's no longer designated in one place. It's not, you, don't, you don't travel to Pluto and then take the four star, four star to the left, and that's not where heaven is. It's in a parallel world to our own. It's universal. He fills all that he can in the earth. He fills the galaxy. The throne room of our God is simply a parallel a universe to our own. It's a parallel world. It's called the spirit world of his throne and his presence. And he's saying the veil is the veil between our world and his. The veil is now the veil between the hum our humanity and his eternity. But he's saying... Whatever you do, get rid of the veil. He says, the thousands upon thousands, the vast bulk of Christian people this morning, and I'm talking to you as Christians, 90% of God's people who, who are born again, going to heaven and faithful in their local church, never actually experience what it is to pass through that veil and actually be in his presence. I'm talking about, he's, there's a scripture we come to in a moment where it says he, where is it? I'll give it to you. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 16 and 17. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We, we've misapplied that scripture. Uh, the, the liberty, the word liberty there is right of access or like a visa or, or, or the right to cross the border. You have liberty or freedom to, to cross the border or to enter in. That's the word that's been using. And he's saying, in his presence, and he, may, he qualifies it, he is now spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is in the spirit world there is liberty to approach the throne of grace and friends I'm experiencing it and, and let me go on verse 18 I keep forgetting that such thing as time verse 18 but we with unveiled face unveiled face beholding him as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed from 
sorry, into that same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, friends, I've read that many times. You've read it many times. But I looked up the original Greek on it, and it reads like this. Seeing the Lord with the intense, fervent intent and desire to be mirrored into his image, we are being transformed. And what you have to understand is that it is the intensity of one's desire and passion to be a mirror of who he is that allows a transformation to actually take place. It was a small moment of that in Exodus 34 where, where Moses was expressing his craving desire to see God. And God said, okay, hide in that little rock there and I'll pass by and you'll just catch a glimpse from the back. That's about all you can probably take. And so he did that. And he caught this little tiny glimpse of God going by. And you know what? He was so transformed by it that when he came down, even his best mates were too scared to go near him because he had this heavenly glow all over him. I am here to declare to you it's impossible. It's impossible for you to be in intimacy with his heart and to walk from your realm of your reality into the realm of his reality and there in his presence and the throne room of God to stare at him and gaze upon him in wonder and in awe. It is impossible for you to do that and not be changed by that encounter. You, you, you are changed by it. So we have to ask the, the question, why then are multitudes, the vast majority of the church in the Western world, who, who celebrate their God so zealously on Sunday and many other times in the week, uh, why are they no different Monday to Saturday when they're out there, quote? Why is it that, that some Christians still get angry? They, they get envious. They, they get miserable, some of them. They, they get contentious, They're sometimes ambitious or greedy or selfish. Their interests, their attitudes, they, they, they don't stand out as a light in a dark place. They blend in. How, how is the world supposed to see the difference? And friends, they don't, they don't stand out. They blend in. Why? 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 They're born again. They're going to heaven. They're going to church. They're being faithful. Why? It's because they are not encountering his presence. It's because their world is governed by the tangible, is governed by the physical, is governed by humanity. And friends, it, it, you, you, no matter of allegiance to a book, no matter trying or striving or endeavoring to be good or better can ever change you. But when you get a revelation of the Son of God that you are, the daughter of God that you are, and your passion to be like your Father is so great that it eclipses your other desires, your human desires, your insecurities, your envies, your, 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 your contentions, when, when suddenly your passion to be like Him is such that none of this matters anymore. 
and you, and, you, and you come and you step through that veil and you dare to come into the presence of Almighty God with hunger, you are transformed by that experience. You don't have to try to be good. You have to hunger to be like Him. Friends, I've got so much else here, but let me tell you this. The writer of the book of Hebrews, some people say it was Paul. It's not definite who it was, but in Hebrews chapter 12, well, just let me go before showing that. The book of Hebrews was written, and it's very relevant, very prophetic for today. Because he was writing to Christians. He was writing to the church. He was writing to these people who are so faithful and weekly attendants and so, so enjoying their Christianity. But he was writing to them because they had come to a state where they wanted to remain popular and accepted and blend in with the people of their own culture, nationally, as Judaism, and so they were compromising to Judaism because they didn't want to stand out. They didn't really want to be different. They wanted to remain in the in crowd. And so Paul, or if it was Paul, writes to them and declares to them, and I believe it's a prophetic declaration to the church of Jesus Christ on the globe right now. And Hebrews 12, verse 14. Pursue peace with all people. In other words, Get your attitudes right. And holiness. Pursue holiness. The word holiness there is not a legal striving. The word holiness means there purity, truth, transparency, authenticity. It's talking about like seeing through a glass, a perfect piece of glass. You see exactly all there is to see. And, and God is saying, uh, pursue transparency with me so that all that there is to see, your private world, your thought world, your humor world, your priorities, your attitudes, your motives, they're transparent before me. Seek that. Pursue that. And this is what he says. Pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord. That is not talking about salvation. That's not talking about going to heaven. Millions of Christians who are saved and going to hell and heaven have never had an encounter where in wonder and awe they see the Lord and feel the power of His presence. Why is that, friends? Because God's never changed. Sin can no longer can't dwell in his presence then and now or at any time. So selfishness cannot dwell there. Willful attitudes cannot dwell there. You see, I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm realizing something. Heal, please hear me. God ripped the veil to smithereens. He so loudly declared his intent, his passion. And his intent and his passion was what? Rip it apart. Get rid of the veil. I want my sons. I want my daughters. I want to embrace them. I want to love up on them. I want to empower them. I want them to be looking just like me. I want to send them out across the globe to do miracles in the name of Jesus. And the Father has already declared what he wants. 
the veil that exists today is not of his making. It's of our own. Do you know the word see there is the word to gaze, listen to literal translation, to gaze with wide open eyes as at something truly remarkable. To be in awe at what one is beholding and yet to fix one's gaze with intentionality and resolve. Oh, friends, listen to me. I'm not talking about necessarily seeing him with physical eyes in a physical form, but I am saying that I am saying that the veil between the realm of my reality, this physical reality world, and the, his world of the spirit in which he dwells, that veil's been taken away from me. I don't, I have instant access. And friends, let me show you something. Just on the way here, uh, when I was in Melbourne airport, and uh, of course I had a plane to catch and all those things. I was going up the escalator and I don't know what everybody else around me must have thought because I was vaguely aware that I was on an escalator and I was aware of the people, I was aware of the airport, of course I was, but I was far more aware that I was actually in the realm of the spirit and I, and I was communing with my father. So I don't know what they thought because I must have been going through the airport with this kind of wow look on my face and a smile on my face. Well, why? Because I was experiencing something truly incredibly awesome. People have been asking me recently, and Pastor Josh and Pastor T were there in the break time, and the prophetic was just conversationally was just flowing and flowing and flowing. I was seeing a German uh, uh, communities of a German origin that, that needed a, the campus of God and I was seeing all sorts of stuff and I can't turn it off whether I'm in a car or I'm in a, in a, in a car park or I'm flying in a plane. Why? Because I'm, I'm, and I don't, I'm not spooky, I'm not spooky, but I'm straddling two worlds uh, and one is just as real as the other and I'm loving it. I am addicted to it. My father is indescribable. And the incredible thing is he wants every single one of his sons and daughters to know and experience that. We have been given free access. That's why the next few verses, and not in any judgmental way, but that's why the next few verses say, uh, now, now, the very next verse says, now, uh, 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 be careful that no one falls short of that grace, that unmerited favor that allows you full access. And then goes and mentions three things, bitterness, uh, fornication, and Esau, who loved a morsel of food more than his own birthright. So they mention three things, bad attitudes, bad motives, bad reactions. Then it mentions immorality, including humor. And number three, number the third one was simply pursuing our own human needs at the expense of pursuing him. 
uh, uh, without the resolve to honor and please him. And, he, and he's saying, listen, he says, lest anyone fall short. You see, you can, you can be a tongue-talking Christian and study the Bible, but my friends, listen to me. I'm not talking about enjoying your Christianity and going to heaven. I am talking about something that is so incredible. It has transformed my life. I'm talking about stepping from the realm where this tangible, physical world that I'm part of governs me. I shrug off its governing power and I'm able to step through the veil into the presence of my Father. And there we can commune and have intimacy and, and dialogue. And the prophetic, the prophetic's never been so utterly effortless. Why? Because it's just a conversation. I'm already there. I don't have to hype it up. I don't have to try and get into his presence somehow. I'm there. And I don't have to wait. I don't have to wait for him to invade my space, although that is incredibly wonderful when his presence comes in the service or something like that. That's incredible. But I don't have to wait for him to invade my world. I'm invading his because I've been given free access. That's what the cross of Calvary did. That's why Jesus said, oh, that old striving, legalism, having, no, nah, no, nah, it's all done. That's all replaced with hunger. Hunger for my Father. Hunger for His presence. It's time to make a decision. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, that what you offer every single one of us is so incredible. It sounds almost too good to be true. It sounds like a Spielberg movie. But my Father is so tangible and so real. Father, I pray above all, Father, that we will hunger, 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 to be in your presence. Oh, to gaze upon your wonder, your beauty, and your dominion. To learn what it is to truly be seated with you in the spirit world and have command, authority, and dominion in our own world because we're carrying out your will and intent that we hear in the secret place. Oh, Father, you offer us oh, so much. I pray that every heart that goes out of here today will not in any way feel uh, that was a hard one, but Father would rather see it for what it is. It's an incredible invitation to come and behold you and be transformed into your image. Thank you, Father. We love you. We give you our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Love you heaps. If you're not a Christian, by the way, I know that people will invite you in a moment. But I just want to say, if you came into this building, you've never known the love of my Father. Then Jesus is the way. Because he's the one that paid the price. By accepting Jesus, you accept the Lordship of Jesus in your life. Suddenly, all of that which is past is canceled, just like that veil. My friends, if you step beyond that veil, you're going to find your Father there, unconditionally accepting and indescribably loving. God bless you. Amen. Look forward to seeing you next year.
Thanks for listening. For more content, head to our website, davidmccracken.org.